Sorry, I'm chewing a piece of bread now. Hold That's on. okay. You need your carbs, a little energy. I do not, actually. I'm pretty good. <laughs> I need my energy, but carbs, no. I think what I need right now is less carbs and less meat in the stomach and some different sized pants. Ah, uh, I hear that. And to not be chewing into the microphone. So I'm going to put the bread down and do my best not to eat it while we're talking. Sounds good. Oh, it looks so good. But we'll pick right up where we left off. <laughs> that was mainly for the bit, but now I, I am enjoying I get it. it. I might as well just finish it and then we It can worked. Start. I, I hate this. I Thank you. <laughs> Hey everyone ever, and welcome to 20th Century Pop, the show where we try to understand the present while living in the past. My name is Tim Blevins. And I am Bob Canning. And I purposely didn't add anything right there, just to see if you would. Because That's usually, your thing now, though. Usually I you add You do that something. in multiple episodes. Yeah, yeah right? But, but not but, recently. Recently I've been waiting. I've been waiting because I'm like, because I actually had something to say, but I'm like, he'll say, and Tim, and yeah. This has become too much of a bit, the start we, of the show. We yeah. probably have to change the start We're gonna of the show. We're going to have to figure now. that. We're going to have to talk about this offline and figure it out. And then next week's episode is going to be e- e- easy, easy peasy. Do, easy peasy. Do we yeah. need more bits? Like, I listen to a lot of podcasts and they have, like, a recorded opening of narration. Or they have a, Ooh. here's a setup of what's happening. Or they play a clip of what they're going to talk Maybe about. Maybe we should do We're, that. We just record our conversation because of rights issues with music. Maybe we should do that. Maybe we should Maybe. go on Fiverr.com and pay for something other than weird <laughs> fetish porn and have no. someone do, like, an opening narration. <laughs> Not somebody. Us. We should do, like, a sketch. We should do a pre-recorded sketch based on the topic of the of that episode. Of the episode. Yes. But it's like our life. It's like It's our life. Yeah, it's like, hey, this is Tim and Bob in ooh, a friends episode or uh in Is a that you ne- writing it cuz that's not great. I mean, it's not bad. Know. It's off the cuff. We might just stick to this. No, it's no, no, I, this is fine. You want to, you want to start doing you want to start writing sketches for the show? That's great. If you want to start writing sketches for the show, that'd be wonderful. Just that way what I'll do is I'll edit the show, mind. post the show, host the show into the show notes, and you can write the opening <laughs> sketch. Cuz I don't have time to write a sketch every no, two weeks. I I hear that. I hear what you're saying. You But you have time. So yes, what this one we won't, but for our next episode, ever, listeners, this is very exciting. Bob's going <laughs> to whip out the old Comedy pen. It's funny because it's it's a normal pen, but the top of it's kind of wavy, and on top of it, it's got a picture of Stephen Wright shrugging. It's a great looking pen. He's going to be writing a sketch every episode. So what I would say, if there's something in pop culture audience that you've always wanted to have, like maybe like that, not not the Mad TV take or the SNL take or the all that take. If you want to hear Bob's hilarious take on something for pop culture that we then can talk about. Email us. Visit 20pop.com and email us whatever you find on that site. And, and, and Bob will write a very funny, extensive, intricate sketch that we will record and put at the start of each new episode. And the good news is it's every other week. So yeah. that gives you time. And, and intricate and extensive to the point of about 30 seconds long. 30, yes. 35 if it's a really good idea. I, for one, am looking forward to holding you to this. That's great. All right. New show in two weeks, everyone. But this week, this old shit that we've just done, this witty banter. You know what's nice is we've cut bits out. I'm talking about adding bits. We've cut bits <laughs> out of the show since it first premiered two That's years ago. True. We don't do the wiki tweaks anymore. No. We don't use unlicensed music. No. Buttwells are, are no longer a thing we advertise. Yeah, we're not doing fake commercials. But starting next show... Sketch. <laughs> the non-dying art of sketch comedy. I say non-dying art because I support improv troops on Patreon. I don't know how to turn that off, so I'm still supporting them. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm a big fan of scripted or improvised internet comedy. All right. But that's that's now done. <laughs> we can get into this episode. And, uh, yeah, let's move on to this episode. What is today's topic, Tim? 
Well, today's topic is coming in the form somewhat of a segment we do on the show called Binge and Podcast. Yeah. Uh, longtime listeners, you do know this. The one person who thinks Jarf is on again and listening, I'm sorry to disappoint you, here's, you may not know this. Uh, Binge and Podcast is a segment we do where we go back to a show that we watched in the 80s or 90s, back when shows would air once a week. And maybe you'd videotape it, but you had to kind of wait week to week to, to, to watch your favorite shows. What we do is we find a few episodes of that show and we binge watch them. The way that most people take in uh, television entertainment now is you watch a bunch of episodes in, in a row. And we I do hear your children, by the yeah, way. Oh, I heard yeah. that. That's, I hear That's some homework upsetness right there. That, wow. Sorry, California school system. Uh, but we're doing a, a binge and podcast uh, while Bob's child yells at a protractor. And and uh, so we, we look at an old show from the past. We watch a bunch of episodes in a row. And we kind of, you know, through 21st century eyes, and we kind of discuss what it's like to view that. How has the show changed? Am I doing this right? Am I explaining yeah, that's, this that's it. it's properly? Like we uh, we um, we kind of see, is it is it the kind of show that's worth binging? Was it better the way we watched it before? Would we have binged it? today um and then yeah like like you said through our our 21st century eyes our 40 plus year old eyes um is it do we have the same reaction to it today that we did back then and i would to to, to uh, comment on one of the, the things you just said i would say today's topic must be something that does binge well hmm. because we're kind of going back to it uh for the third time Today, Bob and I are once again talking about the 1990s sitcom Juggernaut, dare I say probably the biggest sitcom to come out of the 90s, uh, Friends. We're going to be talking right. again about Friends. The first five seasons of Friends happened to fall in the 90s. We've, we talked about season three in our first year. Last year, we talked about some Thanksgiving episodes. And today, uh, today Bob and I are both coming to the mic. We watched four episodes, uh, not necessarily sequential episodes. Uh, each of us, from memory, picked what our most favorite and least favorite Friends episode of the first five seasons was, and we binge-watched all four, and now we're going to talk about them. Um, and as it w works out, we're going to start with the episode, what I feel is the worst episode of Friends to air in the 1990s. It aired on October 5th, 1995. It's an episode called The One Where Heckles Dies. And basically, a quick summary, there's, um, in the world of Friends, they all live on this one floor of the apartment. In the floor below them, there's an apartment where this old man, this eccentric shut-in of a man, always in a robe, I think, named Mr. Heckles, lives. Yeah. And he had appeared sporadically in season one, and maybe even in the first episode of season two. And he was just kind of this cantankerous man who would say a couple of crazy lines because he's a wacky guy who lives below him, and then the door would shut, and that would be it. Right. And in this episode, he shows up at the beginning. He's complaining about them making all this noise in their floor as they move around. It's really loud. And what they find out, um, he starts banging on the ceiling. They start banging on the floor. Then the banging stops and you find out, oh, he died. Mr. Heckles, this character that I guess we're supposed to know, has passed away. Right. They cart him away. And somewhere in a will that he left, he left all of his belongings to the kids who live upstairs. Noisy so the episode's kids. Noisy kids who lives upstairs. So the episode finds our friends, you know, Monica, Rachel, Chandler, Joey, and everyone, cleaning out the apartment for him. And in the process of it, Chandler starts to find things that reminds him of himself and has sort of a early life crisis thinking like he's going to become Mr. Heckle's lonely. He's judgmental on people. And it's a little storyline about basically, you know, fearing that he's already... You know, that he'll never settle down. He'll never right. find someone he loves and that he'll grow into this person that he doesn't like, Mr. Heckles. And, and you know, it's a, it's enough of an interesting enough story. The reason I don't think it works for me is that the, 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 the crux of this episode, this whole episode pivots on this idea that this character, Mr. Heckles, has passed away. And it's a character that we're supposed to kind of care about. Or it's a character we're supposed to be aware of. It's a character that we're supposed to think, oh, it's really impacted their lives and now he's gone. And the truth is, he's not. He's a sitcom trope. He's basically their Kramer. I feel like in the first season when he appeared, he, he was just kind of like the, the wacky Kramer character who lived in an apartment. I think he's even played by the actor who on Seinfeld, when Jerry and George pitched Seinfeld as a sitcom... Then, like season four or five, I think he's the actor who played Kramer. I could be wrong in that, but I, th I think they might be the same. And I feel like he kind of demonstrated that this show doesn't really know what to do with adult 
characters. I mean, you have him. Sure. Um, <clears throat> the, uh, at Central Perk, there used to be the owner of the cafe, played by Willie from ALF. Right. Uh, Monica had a co-worker at a restaurant, that woman who was all excited about a cow getting through. <laughs> Even in this episode, there's an attorney character who shows up, and he's kind of like, all right, kids, here we go. Like, it's just... Adults aren't viewed favorably on this show, unless they're related, like older parents. adults. Because because our friends our friends are adults at this point, officially legally. Um, so you're talking about the the older generation. Exactly what we in that age would have viewed as adults. Sure, okay. exactly. I see. And the show doesn't need those kind of characters because it is about people striking out on their own. So when they would bring them in, all the characters I just mentioned, they were just cliches. They were tropes. They, 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 they weren't the demographic of the show, which these characters were. They were sort of comical. It's what these characters maybe bumped against. And they were never antagonists. They were never something that, that they had. To, like Rachel's boss was just there to say a couple lines to show she was bad at work, but he was never he was never a character you were interested in. So Mr. Heckle is much like that. He's just not a useful character. He's just a sitcom convention. He's, he's kind of what you would expect. And I'm sure he was in the pitch for the show where it's like, and there's a wacky neighbor and he says crazy things because he's nuts and he lives in a closet and he steals cats, whatever. Yes. It's a, it's a contrivance of sitcoms that I understand. And maybe at the time watching it, I would have been okay. But because of how I remember Friends, when I look back and think about Friends, it's a show that at the time meant a lot to me. It was, like I was already saying, a show that I related to. It spoke to me. It represented my life. It could reflect that. It wasn't just your standard run-of-the-mill sitcom. It was something new. So to have a character like Mr. Heckles and to have a plot revolve around him, it just reminds me that this is a sitcom. You know, the show is capable of real emotion. This show is capable of, at the time, of-the-moment jokes, things I could relate to. But it's also just a sitcom. And when I think about the fact that we're supposed to be touched by Mr. Heckle's passing and Chandler's quandary with him, it just all starts to feel a little contrived. And I felt that way, too, thinking back on this episode. And so I'm you curious, do remember this one. Yeah, you remember oh, yeah, this yeah. one. I'm curious if you still feel that way, having just recently rewatched it. Because I do not. Do you like this episode? I do. I get your point. I think the episode loses it in the last 20 seconds. What happens in the last 20 seconds? Because in the last 20 seconds, the apartment that they've been cleaning up throughout the episode is empty. They're saying they're... Mr. Heckles' apartment. Mr. Heckles' apartment is empty. Right below Monica and Rachel's apartment. That's the one. And Chandler, who's having this early life crisis throughout the episode, has finally kind of come to terms with it. Feels like he's going to be okay. He's not the same person as, as Heckles. So he thinks he's going to be okay. And he's the last one out of the apartment. He also uh, takes his yearbook uh, that was Mr. going to Heckles be recycled. Mr. Heckles' yearbook. Yeah, he takes Mr. Heckles' yearbook. He thinks it's going to be recycled. So he keeps it. He says, oh, some people said some good things about it. We should keep this. And then everybody else leaves. And Chandler's the last one out. And he's like – he kind of looks at the apartment, turns the lights off and says, good night, Mr. Heckles. We'll try to keep it down for you. And then, he, and then he and then he walks out. And I think that that moment um, is what ruins the episode for you, and, and kind of ruins it a little bit for me. But oh, it's not saved it, by the sweet tender piano theme that's playing that makes us know, oh, a man died here. Is that that doesn't again impact just you? in that twenty seconds? Because uh-huh. there are parts of the episode where they really don't care about the guy. You talk about how we're supposed to feel something for Mr. Heckles. We really aren't. They only force that on us at the end. Throughout the episode, they they initially are like surprised that they left him any left the girls anything. They start to think, "Wow, we really touched somebody." Even though you don't know that that you're affecting someone's life, you do. And then you realize, "Well, crap, no." He only wanted them to suffer a little bit more with all of the shit that he has in his house in his apartment. And so you kind of lose that sentimentality through the rest of the episode even at the end when monica is like hey let's take a moment and really you know think about the loss that we have here she starts to say her speech in front of this giant magnifying glass she stands in front of that and so her crotch becomes magnified and and her sentimental moment gets totally 
lost by the the comedic moment of everybody laughing at her giant crotch. Um, and she's like, oh, forget it. And they leave. And so that would have been a great way to end it because there really wasn't, I didn't think, that much sentimentality about Mr. Heckles as a person in the episode. It was really more about Chandler. It was a way for Chandler to have his um, anxieties come to the forefront. Um, but only at the end when Chandler has that moment at the end does the, I think the episode kind of loses it. Well, because he's resolving a character trait that is Chandler. Chandler is bad with women. Chandler is judgmental of people. Yeah. As the show progresses, and I think we'll talk about this in, in, in your episodes, um, he learns to be a better person with people when he's with Monica. So we do follow that storyline. This episode, and, and no, I still do not like this episode. I laughed at more of it than I thought, but no, I don't like it. Yeah, there's a lot of good this, stuff in this episode. But this episode exists in a weird vacuum, and there's two things here. One, Chandler resolves his issue by the end of it, but he doesn't know. because that's he the character. And he doesn't, though. He Again, there's an earlier scene where the, where the girls are saying, you know, you're not him. You're better than him. You realize that this is not the path for you, and that's better than all those other guys out there. Um, and you're ready. They say, you're ready to commit. And as soon as they say that, he jumps up and says, oh, I don't think I'm there yet. Um, and that's the end, I think, of the Chandler storyline of this episode. He kind of comes to terms with it, but still is like, I'm not actually going to commit to anybody. And we see that later with Janice. We see that with other characters. So this episode is kind of garbage for that. Ah. This one is conventions. It's doing stuff that you can do better when the character is interacting with people you want to see them with. I don't want to see Chandler flipping through somebody but I don't know. your book and feeling Janice depressed. In this episode. Janice comes in this episode. It's a big Janice episode. Yeah, so that's great. So work with that, though. I'm saying this episode, that's not the focus of the episode. That's to remind us she's there and have some jokes about pregnancy. The drive of it is this weird, confined moment that in real life could happen, I guess. But for Chandler, it just seems forced. And and the reason I'm saying it's forced is this is the third episode of season two. The show is very serialized at this point. It's got soap opera elements. Ross is with uh, uh, his new girlfriend. Um, what's her name? Julie. Julie, thank you. I think it's He's Julie. with Julie. Yeah. There should be tension between... What was that? I, th- I think it's still Julie at this point, yes. Yeah, no, he's with three. Julie. There should be tension between him and Rachel. And none of that is mentioned on this episode. This episode exists like almost like somebody's spec script. Like they wrote it be like, what if we did this as an episode? And I think in the con- in the the within the moment, like to binge watch it, which isn't exactly how we watch it, but if I was watching the show, this is out of field. This could happen whenever. So that's jarring. But also, it's just, it's a character we don't care about. Chandler is getting an emotional, he's, he's volleying off an archetype, a sitcom archetype. And there are plenty of sitcoms that do do this, and it's fine. It's fine for the medium. We know what sitcoms are. For this show to be something else in my mind, seeing them, and this happens when I watch a lot of the old episodes, and it very much happens later in the series, these reminders that it's a sitcom are very distracting. And I think that's why this one stands out. There might be worst episodes. The one that almost made my list is there's an episode called The One with Russ, where uh, uh, David Schwimmer plays Ross, and he plays this weird made-up version that's also supposed to look like Ross. His name is Russ. It's a weird sitcom thing, whatever. Yeah. It's a trope. And this it show seems is like full you don't, of tropes. You're not a fan of the tropes. You, you like it when they're just kind of doing their own thing, being a bit original. Uh, but when they rely on the trope, you're, you're not a fan. Well, let me disprove this then. Oh. Let me disprove what you just said by moving into my favorite episode. Unless you have more to say about this Mr. Heckles one. I will just I'll, – I'll add two things. Uh, when I told my wife uh, what, our, what our idea was this week, what our concept was, the best and worst, and uh, we, we decided she was going to watch these with me. So I'm like, let's uh, find season two. I think the first one we're going to watch is uh, When Heckles Dies. And my wife immediately goes, oh, so we're starting with the worst. So she, exactly. shares, she shares your sentiment. <laughs> she knows that that's not a great episode. And and again, I think I think and this is the second thing I'll add and, and I'll be done. I think it's a good episode that didn't earn the ending. We don't care about heckles. We don't need that stupid ending. I think the rest of it is is a really decent episode. I think there's a lot of funny lines and I especially love uh run away from crazy snake man snake man. They'll shout that line from Chandler kills me every time. It's a, I think it's a funny episode that didn't earn its ending. I think it's an episode that just exists to break ties with what it could have been. Okay. It's. I think he's the last. I don't think. Um. Maybe a little bit. I think the, the the um 
Willie from ALF character probably comes back a little bit. But I think the show was getting its rhythm, and so it exercised this character, got him off the show, and moved forward. I just don't think... You're saying it's not earned. I'll agree with you there. And since it's not earned, this show does moments of this show again. There are other episodes where Monica, Rachel, and Phoebe are are coaching Chandler, helping Chandler with figuring out relationships. There are other episodes where he flips the lesson he learns to show he doesn't learn it. And there are other times where he's just trying to be a better person and fails and succeeds to varying levels. So this one, this version, which is also kind of the first time I can think of Chandler having the the main plot point. That might be wrong if I really thought about it. But like for a Chandler-centric episode, this is – it just feels subpar for what the show is. This would be a fine The Single Guy episode or Inside Schwartz episode or Veronica's Closet episode if that's how that show worked. I don't quite know what Veronica's Closet was about. But for this show, for the show I love, this – does this stands out as trying too hard and that's why i don't like it got it but you're saying it's conventions i think my favorite episode which also comes from season two is built around a massive sitcom convention true the episode that is my favorite it it has been for a while when i think of friends i think of this episode which is odd because i didn't i did not see this when it first aired i caught this the show went into reruns in 1998, our first year living together outside of school. And that's when I first saw this episode. So that's perfect timing. That's perfect a perfect time to see this episode when you and I were in our first apartment together. Because this episode, it's an episode from later in season two. It's called The One with Two Parties. It aired on May 2nd, towards the end of the season. This is an episode that plays up what it's like to live in the apartment you're in, to live your life in that apartment. They're basically throwing a party. It's yeah. Rachel's birthday. Monica is going to throw her a surprise party. Rachel's uh, parents recently divorced, her mom and her dad. And so they only invited her mom to the party because they're not going to get along. Her dad shows up before her mom. And they suddenly realize that both parents are going to be there. So, And in a moment that hangs a lantern on it and tells you, yep, it's a trope. They decide, we'll throw two parties. Monica and and uh, Rachel live across the hall from Joey and Chandler. So they'll throw two parties. There'll be the one that Rachel's father is at, and there'll be the one that Rachel's mother is at, and they'll never have to cross. And there'll be a lot of back and forth, misunderstanding, trying to trick people into doing things. And right when this premise is established in the show early on, because this is just a farcical episode with some running back and forth, Chandler says the line as he realizes what's about to happen to Monica. Quick, what would Jack and Chrissy do? He's basically acknowledging this is a threes company farce. Yeah. We're going to throw two parties at the same time. Nobody's going to be able to hear one party from the other party. And it's ridiculous, but because of the comment he made, we're now aware of it. So it's that trick of accepting it. And because I think in this episode... More than one where Heckles dies, they are all totally on as the characters I like. They're frantic. It all takes place in real time. They're all they have all their interactions. You see Joey and Chandler as friends. You see Rachel and Ross surprisingly as a nice couple. You see Monica and Chandler as friends. You see Monica and Phoebe with some tension. You're seeing all this interaction. It's soundtracked by the music from the soundtrack at the time. So you got Paul Westerberg playing in the background. You got Bare Naked Ladies and who do you whoever playing in the background. But it's just so fast and funny, and it felt like what we wanted to do and did. We threw parties. We, we threw did. parties, and we when the people across the hall were throwing a party, we would try to get right. their people to come to ours. And it was comical, and everyone's really exaggerated. We wanted that party to happen. We really wanted those doors to be open and, and everyone flowing back and forth. That didn't happen, but yeah, that's what we wanted. We wanted this episode. And so this episode, because it's also incorporating real aspects of the show, I mean, everyone, again, is so on as who they are. It acknowledges that Ross and Rachel are together at this point. We're seeing character dynamics. We get to meet Rachel's dad, who's a character that I love. We get to see Marlo Thomas as her mom, who I love. This They're treating the parents, they're treating adults well in this. They're funny characters. They're given something to do. We're Enough, seeing yeah. them... And it's just, I can relate to them more here. Monica and Rachel have their crap jobs. I can relate to that. The whole stress of the the pre-party, that I can relate to that. And if you're following it and you're just laughing and laughing and laughing, the show knows its rhythms. You get the first and one of maybe three I can think of sincere, meaningful scenes between Chandler and Rachel. 
because the stress of this this episode, the heart of this episode, and it's written by Alexa Young, who wrote, I think, um, a lot of episodes that I really like of this show. There is a through line of having to deal with divorced parents. And Rachel's feeling like, is this what it's going to be like for the rest of my life? My mom in one room, my dad in the other. And how do you deal with that? The person she ends up going to for support just by chance, so I don't, you know, just by default gets support is Chandler because his parents are divorced. Yeah. And it's not that Chandler knows how to give advice. He doesn't, but he relates a little bit of a story. There's a sweet kind of exchange. They hug. And then he kind of, Ross comes out. It's a very sweet moment. He kind of like maneuver, Chandler maneuvers out. So now Ross is hugging her like she didn't even notice. And you see a moment of, okay, so this is when they start being friends. Could you become friends with someone because you're all in the same friend group and then become better friends with someone when you have something in common and they actually have this in common where the other characters don't? And that's a very that's the only real moment this episode needs. And it's enough of a moment because it's using Chandler, it's using Rachel, and everyone's kind of trying to do something to help her. And it's just such a fun, funny sitcom, which is what I want for the show. And it's smart because it's social, which is what I wanted from life. And in terms of the plot line, it gives me something to follow, which is Rachel's storyline with her parents. So yeah, this episode does what I want to do, and it exists. Why they're both from the second season is I love this show early on the most. I love the show when they're all still struggling, when Chandler and Joey are roommates, when most of them are friends, when Rachel and Ross are on or off. Like That's what the life I wanted because I wasn't committed to a relationship yet. I wasn't, you know, I, I, I was moving from apartment to apartment. So this represents what I wanted life to be in the moment when we saw it in reruns. And so, yeah, that's, I mean, do you like this episode? Are you a fan of this episode? I do. I don't know if I'm a, like, again, it's not a, when, when you presented this topic, it, it didn't come up as an option um, off the top of my head, but certainly rewatching it, um, just just this past uh, weekend, it's a great episode. It's hilarious. It's got some very funny bits that I'll always laugh at. Yeah. I mean, do you like season two? Do you think of this season when you think of Friends? I do. Yeah, I like season two. Um, season one, two, three. I, I like up through five and six is really where I uh, – five especially has been my favorite, as as you'll discover. Um, mm-hmm. um, I think five is where I really was – most into the show but um certainly i was watching it every week uh back in the day and there's not too many that i'll i'll skip past if i see them on uh syndication or something from this era well then we should get um into your episodes because your episodes like you're just saying come from season season five Mm -hmm. you talk about um how the show became serialized and having soap opera aspects to it uh from episode to episode there's storylines to follow um, and in season five, this is right after London. What's so eventful about London? So we get some uh, cliffhangers from the season before. We get uh, Ross saying Rachel's name at the wedding. Because he was going to marry a woman from England named... Emily. Emily. And we also saw in the cliffhanger that uh, Chandler and Monica slept together. And you like this pairing, don't you? I do. I do like this pairing. And they've slowly had been hinting to the pairing throughout the run of the, the series up until this point. There was a flashback episode where we hypothesized, you know, not, not even hypothesized. Uh, I think it was an episode where Janice asked who among the group almost hooked up together. And they all kind yeah, of thought we spoke about, about it. it on a previous episode. Yeah. That would have been my favorite episode if we hadn't already talked about it. Oh, so the two parties is, is the runner up. And you yes. just didn't want but to... it is the one I always think of first. Given some uh, more thought, I would have thought of that one. Um, and so, so in that one, they sort of hint to, "Oh, are these the ones that almost hooked up?" And then they had moments of flirtation, playful flirtation at the beach house episode. And it's so sort going of, into season five. Going into season five, they have hooked up. And at the beginning of the the season, that first episode, they try and hook up again and have uh, they're thwarted every attempt. Um, and you think that that's going to be maybe just the only time they do it. And they kind of realize this isn't the best idea. But they're also like, you know what? We like this. It feels nice. It feels good. We're friends. But this is moving in a direction I enjoy. And they end up having a secret relationship for most of season five. And that's important. Secret. Secret relationship. Yes. You're not telling anybody. Exactly. Very key to the comedy that comes from it being a secret relationship. 
Uh, along the way, eventually Joey finds out and they need him to swear to secrecy. And so that adds to some of the, the comedic beats of, of the season. Um, and then uh, in the episode, the first episode we'll talk about, because again, we're talking about it chronologically, uh, this um, storyline comes up. About episode, Joey knowing of Joey, about. Of Joey knowing about it and no one else knowing. And so this episode is called The One with Ross's Sandwich. Yeah, it aired and December 10th, 1998, shortly after the Thanksgiving episode. And and like you, my first episode is the one that I feel is the worst episode. Now, did it come right to you when, when you had to think of your least favorite episode? It came right to me. And I'll be honest, it did. Um, the, the Monica Chandler aspect of this episode, I had forgotten that th- this storyline in this episode is in this particular episode because it's the other two storylines in the episode are the reason why I hate this episode. Oh, I can't stand why don't, it. Why don't you get into it? Because you love this, these characters and you love this show. <laughs> there are things. And I can, it's season five that you season love. Five. And that's why this is such a disappointing episode for me because, especially because of the Phoebe, uh, Rachel storyline in this episode, which is the C plot. Yes, the, the C plot the of C the episode plot. is what you don't like, um, or is it the B? You know, it feels like it's either the B or the C. It comes up pretty early on in the episode. I felt like it was the B. And Ross's sandwich, though it has the title, is more about. I guess it's the A plot, but it feels to me like I think Ross's sandwich is the B plot. The but B plot. talk about the C or the, well, the, the, C the plot, you don't like Rachel and Phoebe together. Rachel and Phoebe, I like them together. They're fine together, and they're great together. In the next episode, we'll talk about. But in this episode, um, they have just a pointless. You don't need it at all ever storyline of Phoebe taking a uh, literature class uh, at a night school and Rachel thinking that would be great to do with her and they do it together. And it's just stupid bits about not reading the book, embarrassing each other with false information and it goes nowhere and solves nothing and extends their relationship in no way. Uh, and it's sitcom it's, it's what sitcom. a sitcom It's does. a sitcom. It's exactly why you didn't like Heckles, is because it's just a sitcom tripe and trope, um, where it's just, <laughs> yes, I, I, I turned trope into tripe. Um, but yeah, that's why uh, I, I always hated, it. like the, the first time I saw it, I'm like, why is this happening? Especially because just about every episode prior to this has been, uh, a meaningful, everything meant something, and it moved the story along. You had uh, the secret relationship happening. You had uh, Ross trying to get Emily back. You had Rachel dealing with the situation because at the end of the previous season, at the beginning of this season, this was all happening because she was still in love with Ross. And so she had not, now she had to come to terms with her thing. I guess Phoebe was also there. Um, and so... There was a lot happening in every episode up to this. And then you get to this episode and you have this storyline that really is completely unnecessary and not even all that funny between these two. It's kind of filler in the middle of what I guess sounds like has a lot of momentum for you. Yeah, Yeah, this is another piece of filler. Another piece of filler. And so that's why that storyline alone is why I thought of it immediately. And that was my worst choice. I didn't even need to think about what else could have been my worst Choice. Really? Because that storyline is so minimal. It has no impact on the show. It is a, a C. This is why I think it's a C plot. Because can we talk about the other two plots in this episode? Sure. The other two plots that I didn't really recall in my really? initial in my initial uh, reaction uh, do drive the story forward. Um, I don't really like the Ross sandwich storyline. Um, I get that Ross is kind of at a breaking point. Mm-hmm. But I wish, you know, I think they could have done it in a different way. What but, do they do with Ross in his Well, sandwich? with Ross, his life is falling apart. <laughs> Emily has, you know, finally cut everything off. Um, uh-huh. He was evicted from his apartment. He's now living with Chandler and Joey. Um, and the the one good thing he has in his life right now, as he says in the show, is the leftover Thanksgiving sandwich uh, <laughs> that, that Monica makes. That has a moist maker, a, a yeah, piece of bread gross. in the middle soaked in gravy. And uh, somebody at the museum ate his sandwich. And it just 
pissed him off to the point where Phoebe offered to write uh, some sort of threatening note to go with his lunches from now on. And everyone at the museum is now afraid of Ross because of this note. We don't see what it says. We just know that everyone reacts to it uh, pretty surprisingly that Phoebe wrote it and Monica calls her a badass. And Ross is like, wow, this note's fantastic. Everybody's, you know, let me have my way at work now. I don't have to worry about deadlines. They're changing things for me. Um, and we think that's a good thing until Ross realizes they're, they're afraid of him because they think he's gone psychotic. Um, mental, but they call him mental. And so his boss calls him in and says, you know, we really need to talk. We kind of want you to see a psychiatrist because of things that are going on now. And he's like, well, what are you talking about? It's like, well, this note that you left. And he's like, oh, well, that's because someone ate my sandwich. And uh, it turns out it was his boss. And his boss acknowledges it's like, oh, I might have eaten that. Um, And so that really just sets Ross off to the point where He's like, you ate my sandwich, and then the my sandwich is repeated from a distance, and then the birds fly away, and we're who knows how many miles away, and we could still hear him scream, my sandwich. It's comical. Which and is he comical. shows up in the episode. He had gone to a psychiatrist. They gave him a tranquilizer to yeah. keep the loopy. I have to say, and I, it's on record with this show, I'm not a big fan of Ross. Don't like, <laughs> like I do like David Schwimmer. Don't like the character of Ross. Sure. Ross is at his best when things are going the worst. And you just said it, so I'm just repeating it. But it makes sense. This is actually a bizarre reaction to a sandwich, which feels like a tossed-off sitcom plot. But you're right. His life is in the shitter. He's getting divorced again, second time in his life in a matter of years. He's out of the house. So in a way, this crack is a great plot device for Ross. They don't follow up on it. That's what I was trying to remember. Like, they don't... He's a little off kilter from this point on in the series, but the idea that he actually has snapped, I think, is the plot line of this episode sure. that I do like. Yeah. And in retrospect, um, it is something that I do enjoy. And they do follow up on it. The, the, it comes back around uh, him snapping at the museum. And in fact, it comes back around in, in my favorite episode that we'll talk about. Um, but I don't know if we want to move on quite yet because – well, because there's a main plot, the main, main plot of this episode. Another, yeah, is where um, the other friends are starting to discover certain things that Monica and Chandler are ha- have been doing, and they really need Joey to cover for them. And so Joey has to make up these ridiculous things that uh, uh, he's been doing when they discover because they like they find they find his under- underwear. Uh, Dutch Chandler's in Monica's apartment. Yeah, in the couch. They believe that they find Joey um, having set up candles and and pillows and a camera to record some sort of... Well, Monica and Chandler set those up. Correct, but but, but Joey is the one that is discovered with it and a date. And the date gets pissed off. And then Rachel is like, oh my God, I can't believe you were going to do that. And then Joey has to kind of admit to, yep. I'm Joey. I'm disgusting. I like to record sex with women. Um, and so he does it every time. Why? But he does it because he's asked to. Yeah. He, Monica and Chandler say you have to cover for us. You have to us. cover for us. And, they, uh, put their, they selfishly put their relationship ahead of him. And this is what I don't like. They become Seinfeld characters at this point. Seinfeld are selfish characters. You could kind of believe that George might do this. Yes. Monica and Chandler are not selfish characters or weren't up until this. Right. They come across horribly in this it, episode. It is, Monica it and is, Chandler come across as the worst of the friends in this episode. It, it is true. And that, and that is part of why this episode always stands out. Um, well, I mean, I guess it's not because I it didn't. I didn't connect that this. No, episode. you didn't like the very forgettable sitcom plot yeah, that gives Lisa Kudrow something to like, do. That I didn't like. But upon rewatching it, you're right. This this is of all the uh, Joey has to hide the secret bits. This is probably my least favorite from from this run. Um, but it it is. I mean, I I was so put off by that C storyline that anytime I have to think of a bad episode of Friends, I think of this one. And there must be worse C storylines than we took a class together. There could be, but I just have always felt so strongly about about this one. I I, I can't believe that's the part you feel strongly about. I, the, 
this this episode sullies Monica and Chandler as characters. I don't want them to be together after this episode. They're cruel. They're selfish. I don't like them. See, I think, yeah, that's true. But I think I think you're reaching the breaking point for for them and the secret keeping too. I think that's you're we're, we're what like 10, 15, 12 episodes in maybe, um, the season because it's you know December, um, and so. They've been keeping the secret for half the season now. Um, and so I think this is like a breaking point for Joey. And it's a breaking point for them, too. They've gone to their most extreme ask of Joey uh, in this episode. Before, it was just, you know, don't tell anybody. But now it's like, you have to make excuses for us. So They I th- have no remorse at the end of the episode. It gets turned on Monica because Joey's smart enough to make it seem like she's taking she that they slept together it's this very weird power play thing but there's no remorse from chandler or monica they don't feel bad about what they're putting joey through they're just embarrassed for what monica has to go through those aren't friends characters those aren't friends motivations those are again seinfeld characters and that's not a knock to seinfeld that's that this doesn't fit this show Mm. i don't think no, I could see that. I I think it does, but I think it's like the extreme. I, like again, I think I think especially the 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 Monica Chandler and the Ross storylines, they've they've all reached a breaking point, um, and so it is an extreme version of Chandler and Monica, an extreme version of Ross. Um, and it's the version that they kind of remain for the rest of the series. I guess this is my issue with oh, season you think so? five. I think it's a turning point in these characters where suddenly my favorite character, Monica, the character that may be related to the most Chandler and the character I never liked, Ross, they become cartoons, I think, starting in this episode. Mm. I think like their storyline... While I like that, and we should get to your favorite one. I'm sorry, just very quickly. The, the the fact that eventually Chandler and Monica do get together, as you know, well, they are together. The fact that they also get married, those are nice outcomes for that character. There's nowhere to go after that. Right. There's really nowhere to go after the episode that's about to come up, I think. What's, what's, what's your favorite episode ever of Friends? Well, it came, it was between two. I think a lot of people would say their favorite episode ever is the one with the embryos. Which is where the uh, they have the contest to switch apartments. That's the name of that one. I was trying to remember what that one was about because that would have been my favorite. But I was like, I don't know what episode this happened on. Oh, really? <laughs> or could have been. It wouldn't have been. But I love that sequence because that's yeah. They're they're you're you're seeing how much they know about each other. Exactly. And and uh, so it was either going to be that from one. this season. Is that from season five? That's no, from, that's from season four. Three or four. Yeah. Must be four. Um, but this, I, I went with this one because I, I love Chandler. I love this situation uh, that they, they get themselves in. And uh, so I went with the one where everyone finds out. Um, and to. Jared, February 11th, two months after the one you just picked. Yeah. But some of those weeks might have been rerun. So maybe not that far after. Yeah, storyline wise, not too far after. Um and the reason uh, – so just to summarize what happens in this episode, Ross is looking for an apartment. We see that Ugly Naked Guy is moving out. And so Ross goes over there to try and, and uh, put his name in for the apartment. Phoebe, this is an apartment that's visibly across the street from Monica and Rachel's apartment. And so um, Phoebe and uh, Rachel go with him. And while they're over in that apartment from across the way, Phoebe sees Monica and Chandler hooking up in the apartment. Uh, in Monica's apartment. In Monica, yeah. And uh, Rachel, at this point, had already found out. I can't even remember how she found out, but she had already found out. I think it's over the phone. Uh, I think there's yeah, something about Mr. Big. I, 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 that's right. No, good good, good memory there. Tom. But yeah, I couldn't think of it at the time either. So, um, And so she calms Phoebe down and is like, hey, I know that's happening, but we can't let Ross know. And so they keep it from Ross at that point. And then they... Talk to Joey because now Joey, Rachel, and Phoebe know, and Joey is so excited because for so long he's been keeping the secret, and he finally can stop doing it. But he has to hold it because Ross still doesn't know. And then Phoebe decides, well, if they don't know that we know, then let's Meeting mess Chandler and Monica. Yeah, then let's mess with them. So Phoebe starts flirting with Chandler. Monica doesn't believe that that's the case, but she actually witnesses it at one point, and then she's like, oh no no. She's not really flirting with you. She knows, and, and Chandler is not 
convinced because he's like, no, she was feeling my bulging bicep. And as soon as he says that, he realizes, oh, my God, she does know. Uh, So Monica and Chandler are aware that everyone but Ross knows and that they're being played a little bit. That's right. And then they decide that they're going to get back at them. And so it becomes this really fun. uh, How do they get plan to get back at them? Well, they decide, okay, if she's going to flirt with you, then you're going to flirt right back. And it becomes this big thing where Chandler has to invite Phoebe to his apartment. He wants to, you know, explore this idea of her um, being turned on by him. And so it's this whole great situation for the viewer to see these friends that we've been watching um, for five seasons and this secret relationship that we've been watching all season for season five kind of come to a head with people knowing and not knowing and doing again sort of like in a way uh going back to the two parties where you've got a bit of a contrived situation here uh and and you just get to see how they play off of each other and there are so many perfect little moments that i think work so well in this episode because you know these characters so well at this point and it ends with them Confessing their love to each other in front of their friends. Um, I absolutely love it. But it sounds like you might not. Well, there's great character moments. Everything you just said about the character moments are great. And this is, of all the four episodes we watched, this was the most fun I had watching Matthew Perry. He plays it well. Mm -hmm. Lisa Kudrow plays it well. So as the actors playing it, they're playing it well. You're right. It's well written. There's a lot of funny back and forth. They've got high energy. That's going well. As characters in a show that I think both of us related to, as characters in a show that we think sometimes mimics our life, what the game that like Phoebe and Chandler are playing, would you have played this game in real life? Would you have pretended to come on to someone and then play along as they pretended to come along with you all to prove that they were dating someone else? I, I wouldn't go to this extreme because I don't have a home viewing audience. That's no, fair. But I do mess with people in little ways and minor minor versions of this. Um, yeah, absolutely. If if I know somebody had a really, I don't know, like I can't even think of examples. But I've I've because moved. they're mentally abusive. That's why. <laughs> I've you moved, can play your little games, I've which moved is fun. I've important documents at work at times. If, if I'm <laughs> friends with them and they have yes. a, a meeting coming up, I might kind Hilarious. of slip it. I've, I've accidentally uh, pretended I've shredded some papers that somebody sure. r- really needed. I've, I've messed with people. Again, sure. Fun. Have you ever made out with someone to, to when you know they're them? dating no. your good friend? And neither did they really. They, no, but – and again, like I remember liking this episode when it aired. And they again, they're – it's funny because they're funny actors. They do play it really well. And I had a memory of enjoying this more as the big reveal of where Chandler says that he can't – like where he pushes Phoebe away and he actually acknowledges that he lost. He said, you win, you, you win, I, yeah. I can't. And she goes, why? And he says, because I'm in love with Monica. And then Monica comes out of the bathroom surprised at something that he had just said in the Thanksgiving episode. Didn't he, didn't he already say he I love did, you? He did, but denied it. And they, they never said it again. Okay. All right. So that's good. But – I don't know. It didn't play this time because the audience goes nuts. They're very happy to have that. There is this <laughs> idea that all the friends know, except for Ross. And right. we can get to that. But th- watching it this time, I'm like, this is not romantic. This is, again, I think it goes back to with the Ross's sandwich. It's like, this isn't Monica anymore. This isn't the world of the show I know. This is the show's new direction. And again, well-written, funny, had that feel of high energy. It's a very well-paced, comical thing. And standing on its own as an episode, I think it's great. It's funny. In the context of the show, I find it weird that this is your favorite one. Because I'm just like, that part... And again, this is maybe changing views. This might be dissecting it more and, and, and forgetting that, hey, it is a sitcom. But... I don't like the game that Phoebe and Chandler play. I think it's, I like watching those actors play it, and it's funny and enjoyable. But in the context of the world of the show, I don't feel like that would happen. 
I don't feel like they would really do that. I don't feel like it would have gotten as far as it's gotten. And it's escalation. So I, I, I do like that. So I'm, I'm sounding a little prudish right now. Yeah, I mean. To make, a, to make a point. I don't think I fully believe what I'm saying. But I, I don't. Argue, I could argue that back, though, because they had Phoebe be the one that's doing the flirting. They weren't going to have Rachel do it because Rachel wouldn't do that. Phoebe's the one that's the goofy, fun, you know, she's. So it makes sense for Phoebe to, to do that. And I don't think Ross, I guess you can't have her do it without everyone supporting it because then she would seem creepy. Right. And so it's it's silly fun for everybody. And, and, and it makes sense that she's doing that. I don't think Chandler would have done it back, except that we've got uh, Monica in character and being competitive. And it's like, oh, you're going to try and do it to us. Well, we're going to do it back to you one better because that's, that's Monica's true. character. And so she's well, pushing her boyfriend to do it, which is what makes it. All the funnier to see Chandler doing it because he's not fully committed, but he's doing it for Monica, who really wants this to, to go well. She wants to win. And she even says, we're going to win because you're on my team and my team wins. And so Chandler's being pushed into it. I think it really does fit their characters. And yes, it is a sitcom. So it is over the top. Um, sure. But and, I, and I still think it fits the characters. Well, I think that explanation, it makes more sense than I thought about it. I think that's I like that. But I guess I, I and again it's not a bad episode. I just it's interesting and I think it maybe shows what our what we like about the show pivots around. This is what you think of when you think of the show, this episode. I think of this episode I think of three episodes, I think. I think of this episode, I think of the embryos episode with the contest, which again, have you ever had a contest? Have you ever had someone sit down and come up with multiple choice questions to not to uh, that extent. I think I've definitely with people competed about who knows more. So that's why that okay. of about a person, but yeah, what's the, what's the, you're right. Uh, it's and a then the third one is the, uh, the videotape uh, episode where you see the prom flashback. Uh, that's, that's the one other I thought episode would I think have been of. your favorite and for the longest time. Yeah, that's, that was my favorite. And you know what? I'll be honest. I've been rewatching friends. If, 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 I need to decompress at the end of the evening um, and I'm not exactly into wanting to pay attention to something and watch something new. I'll watch an old Friends episode and I'm into season five and maybe that is why these episodes popped up. You're Um, watching them in order. uh, Yeah, I've been watching them in order. I'm not this far into season five, so I had to jump ahead to watch these. Oh, thanks. Um, So maybe that's why they edged the other two. Uh, But those are the three I usually think of. It's difficult to go back. I think this is showing, and maybe what was interesting for me with this is, it's kind of difficult to go back to something like this. Because it's not just like it's a single movie, and you can attach it to that time you saw it in the theater. It's a series that we watched for a decade. A decade of our life that's far in the past now. So to go back to it now, there's too much to sift through. It's very jarring to watch the Ross's Sandwich episode when you're thinking back to that storyline, like I remember loving that storyline of Chandler and, 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 and Monica trying to keep it secret. Mm-hmm. I haven't gone back to those. Watching the Ross's sandwich one makes me not want to go back to it because of what's going on in the episode. But like you said, there's a buildup. Maybe that, maybe in sequence that would play differently. Yeah. Week to week that would play differently. Exactly. Not dissecting it for a podcast, it might play differently. <laughs> Can you stand by your choices still, do you think? Um I, Are you curious stand, to maybe do more of a deep dive and see if something takes their place? Yeah, if I did a deep dive, it, it'd still be hard-pressed for, for me not to say that uh, the one where everyone finds out is my favorite because uh, I'm a Chandler fan and that's just there's just so many funny bits. Um, and so do I relate to it? No, not so much maybe. But can I laugh at it? I think more than any other episode. So that that's why that's – Probably still going to be my favorite. But if I put it up against some others, you know, there might be some stiffer competition. I do think I misfired with uh, uh, Ross's Sandwich being my being the worst. Um, <laughs> it certainly has the worst C storyline ever of Friends. I think I can agree to that. But uh, I didn't even realize what the rest of the episode. I mean, I knew it Ross's Sandwich. I, I still don't care for that. But talking about it, it makes more sense. And it is a breaking point for Ross in that storyline and then in that season. Um, and I had forgotten completely that there was another aspect of the hidden relationship in that episode. So maybe there's something worse out there, but I don't know. I really can't stand that Phoebe Rachel storyline. Do you think it's worse in the C plot where Ross suddenly knows Inari and he thinks it's a form of karate that he's going to teach everyone? Uh, the Unabi 
episode. You knobby. No, I enjoyed that. Called? I think that's I think that's silly fun. That 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 storyline. Ah, salmon Swiss roll. I don't know if I really like Rachel's impression of an Asian accent. I don't think that's what she was doing. I thought she was doing more of a mystical persona. No, she was doing an Asian ah, accent. I've, I've never seen. She it was that doing way. the mystical splinter like, uh, or I got uh, the splinter like, but but I don't think Splinter's doing an Asian accent. Yeah, Splinter's Japanese. <laughs> He's he? Japanese. Okay. Yes, actually, that's what they're doing. All right. I've never caught that. I always I always thought it was just a rat. He's a rat I, from Japan. But I still thought I, his accent was rat. I didn't realize it was Japanese. I mean, the turtles are are Manhattan. They're New York accents. Well, one's California. But this isn't about turtles. This was about friends. And and I think it was good. I enjoyed it. It's a nice way to talk about the show. It's always nice. I think why this is maybe the topic we've come back to the most, probably more than Star Wars, is because it meant a lot to us. And there's a lot of different angles to go at something that means a lot to you. So so this was fun. Thanks. Thank you for doing this. I enjoyed it. Thank you. I think we'll be talking about friends, you know, much, much more in the future as as, uh, we keep going. But if you want to hear about when we spoke about it in the past, where can you hear that? Well, I'll tell you where you can hear that at 20popcast.com, the website for the show that you just listened to. You can visit us at 20popcast.com. You can always listen to the most recent episode that's streaming there. You can find links to all of our past episodes, kind of go through, find a topic you like, listen to that. You can subscribe to us on any podcast catcher that you listen to podcasts with. You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter, both uh, at 20popcast. All of that's at the website, so check out the site, visit it, support us if you can. We'd really like some support. Support, subscribe to us share the show with a friend and if you do listen to us like through apple um apple podcast something like that if you could leave a little review number of stars a quick little blurb i know it takes time but it's actually a big help we appreciate it our egos appreciate it and uh we'll appreciate you even more which we already do right probably we sure do, we do. i want i want uh folks at home to flag out what their uh, least favorite episodes were what they think the worst are because uh, there's probably something worse out there and we just couldn't think of it off the top of our heads perhaps because we blocked it from memory it was so bad uh so yeah, i think there's probably something worse out there than continuing adult education Uh, do you want to plug yourself in any way, Bob? Uh, absolutely, Tim. Thank you. Um, follow the show, but you can also follow me individually at RH Canning uh, on Twitter and uh, reach out and, and say hello. All right. I got nothing and, uh, else to plug. You've got nothing else to plug? No. Well, I think that's enough. You got a show that was just plugged. You yeah. got that. I don't know what else you would need. I got nothing. Um, we'll be back in two weeks with an official new episode but also uh we're, we're trying or we're hopefully trying to do little bonus episodes on the weeks that we're off shorter episodes not as well researched but still fun so you can probably check that out next week but then know that in two weeks we'll be back with a topic of a sort for you to listen to this ending seems actually very non-antic filled it seems very straightforward well because we put all of our antics at the top of this episode i think antic fill. I wonder how many of those antics will make it to the show. Make it to air, I was going to say, but it's not what this is. You know, air a podcast. Stream it? Post it? You stream it. Yeah. No, well, we post it. They stream it. Got it. Unless you're going to listen to it, then you would stream it. But I don't know if you stream these. I stream them. You do? Okay. Well, great. Well, don't, don't, don't hang up before the end because this is, this is gold. Streaming gold. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll be back in two weeks. Stream, but also next week. Streams what? of gold. Streams of gold by Sting of the Police. Who is on an episode of Friends. Am I correct? No, his wife is. There's an episode his of Friends that is? Sting's wife is on because Emma goes to the same school as Sting's kids. Oh. And we're supposed to know who Sting's wife is, which I guess in England we do. And Friends was had a very big presence in England. Here in the States, the colonies, I did not know who Sting's wife was. I still don't because I'm referring to her as Sting's wife and she has her own identity and they might be divorced. I don't know. He's lost his hair. I don't know if you've seen Sting recently, but he is balding. I... He's also 86, so it makes sense. I don't. I you know this. I hate it when people. I'm. I'm such a hypocrite. 
Can you hear it or no? You chewing? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I can too. I have my headphones on. The thing I hate about the chewing like that yeah. is is the breathing while chewing. <laughs> I should hold my breath while I eat the spread? Well, just that I can hear the Like, it's strange. I hear people breathe because you have to. But when you're chewing and like, well, you still have food in your mouth, but you have to take a breath. So the breath is sort of like passing through your mouth and food. It has a different sound to it. And that's uh, that's what always gets me. Well, I didn't breathe during that last part. I appreciate that. You're welcome. I'm glad you didn't die. Me too. God, I, I do. I hate, I'm so sorry. You're okay. you're a champ for listening to that. I hate it. That's okay. When people get And I just did it because you're right. I needed the carbohydrates. There's a Kit Kat sitting right here that I'm tempted by, but no, no. We'll get back into this. 